I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. We're doing something slightly different on this episode of the podcast. Josh Glazer is my guest, and he hosts the Rave Curious podcast, which is distributed by the Vice Network. Vice has turned into quite a news empire in the past four or five years, and they also host a new section called Thump, which focuses on electronic dance music. Josh also happens to be the editor-in-chief over there, so we decided that we were going to put together a little special collaborative two-part discussion where we recorded a chat for a couple hours and we're each taking an hour for our respective podcasts. Josh took the first hour of our two-hour discussion for his podcast and the emphasis on that episode is placed more on yours truly. Uh, We went on to discuss my own personal history growing up with this music. Uh, We went into a lot of stuff that I rarely prefer to discuss in public. And if you're interested in me and what I do, um, you definitely should check it out. If you don't give a shit about me, he has plenty of other guests on the show that have probably turned in better performances. Uh, There's people like Chris Liebing, Radio Slave... Danny Tenaglia and others, so, you know, check it out regardless. Anyway, back to me. We started talking about my first rave and we worked all the way up to today where I'm living in Europe and playing regularly. So, if you're curious about my journey, check it out. As Josh pointed out in his episode, we were both pretty fried from the New Year's festivities. I had two gigs. I did one in Amsterdam and one in Tel Aviv before flying back immediately to Berlin, where it was finally time for me to do my own partying. And, uh, yeah, by the time Monday or Tuesday came around, or whatever it was, a few days after New Year's, we were both pretty worn out, but we were determined to get these podcasts recorded. Um, While I wasn't the most energetic at the time, I I think there was definitely a lot of information in there that that people can take away. For the second hour... um, That's about what you're going to hear on my podcast now, and the tables are turned. I put Josh under the spotlight, and the focus on this episode is pretty much on the media. He's a longtime media veteran who is, as I said already, working currently as editor-in-chief at Thump, and he's also been part of the Coachella team for quite a while. Uh, In the past, he worked for the legendary Motor Club in Detroit, and eventually moved off to the West Coast to become the editor at Herb Magazine, which was probably the biggest publication in America for dance music to this day. I don't know if Herb's actually still around or not, but I know it's definitely not going to be like it was while he was working there. Um, yeah, so we, we go on to talk about a lot of things media-related, given the role of what the journalist was back then, versus the role of the journalist now, expectations, and the good and the bad. So if you're curious about this part of the industry, this episode's for you. Uh, I just want to go ahead and say thanks, Josh, for coming on the show. Thanks for the nice comments in the last episode. And I'm sure we will be doing a collaborative episode again in the future. So enjoy. You're like me. You don't do an intro either, right? We just start talking. Yeah. I usually try and have it recording as the person walks into the house just because there's a, like Adam X came in. We started bullshitting for like 10 minutes. And, and it's usually good like, stuff. He's yeah. like, oh, you, you should be recording this already. I'm like, yeah.
yeah, I should be. You know what I mean? Because he like immediately he was just he came in ready with tons of. Well, Adam always I think always comes in ready to to talk. Yeah, he's he's got that New well, Yorker. That's that's why I wanted to have him on right away. Is because I always have a really nice time chatting with him when I see him out and about in Berlin, and it's always something interesting to say. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm sitting here with Josh. He's got his own podcast, also Rave yeah, Curious. Then we just recorded an hour, hour yeah. and a half. So we've been. We've been talking. We're on each other's podcasts. Um, I was on his. We talked about my history and and uh, traveling around for parties. And this is exciting. Stuff. We're like real podcasters because I think you know, the whole point there. of being a podcaster is you then like go on other people's podcasts and then they come on your podcast. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes making it happen. So, so we need to get more like you know electronic music podcasts going mm. so we can all be on each other's podcasts. You know. It's the strength in numbers. And it also makes me feel better about myself. Like I was watching an episode last night. And it's funny because whenever you're watching like a comedy show or something, every once in a while in the season, a guy will pop up and he's talking about how he has a podcast. You're like, oh, that guy's mm-hmm. such a loser. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, it's <laughs> hilarious. You know what I mean? Uh, so no, it's, I think it's a good thing. And, uh, you know, there's other industries or not even, not even industries, but um, interest fields where people yeah. are podcasting is kind of a big thing comedy is obviously a big one but you know npr does there's uh there's a lot of ones that talk about health or sexuality or yoga. yeah i kind of think npr is bullshit i was never an npr and, fan. And it's not that i don't like npr i don't like the fact that that npr all they do is they take the shows they've been making radio they've been making for radio forever and then and they upload them to itunes and they're the top podcasts mm-hmm. like those well but you know there's something to be said about that because i mean i'm not necessarily into it but i'll tell you what they have a lot of time and experience behind them so, and money. Yeah. They got great mics. Everything sounds great. All the levels sound perfect. Uh, and they're doing, they're they actually doing actual shows. Tone. Yeah. So they're they're like, putting in a lot of work. It's polished. You know it's, what I it's mean? It's way more work than you and I just sitting here talking yeah. with, with two microphones in between us for well, an hour. You know, when both you and I were sitting at the bar, Bergheim or wherever it was, talking about how it's time to do podcasts, uh, it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm just going to start this and we'll talk for an hour and record it. Like, the reason I was so backlogged on mine is because, well, first of all, you got to do the research for the equipment. I had some of it, but mm-hmm. then you got to do, uh, you know, you got to find what levels you like, what kind of tone you want to go for, what kind of content you want on the show. Not necessarily that you got to pre plan it, but what does your show stand for? You know right. What I mean, the theme loosely or whatever. Then all the boring stuff comes, like putting the website together. How do you upload the shit? You know, like what do you have to, what does it all entail? And it's a lot of work. So NPR kind of was lucky in the sense that they already had a lot of that. Sure. Yeah. Know. They, for them, it's just, it's, it's a new platform mm-hmm. or a new, new, you know, medium by which they can distribute the content yeah. that they've always done. They've done really well. And, you know, but I, I shouldn't, I don't actually hate NPR and I, I download half their podcasts on, mm-hmm. onto my phone every week. But, it's. I was looking at, you know, because my my podcast just went up on iTunes. Mm-hmm. We're up to you know four or five episodes now. Rave Curious. Mm. Uh, what's the what's the what's sub- the URL? Subscribe to Rave Curious. Well, it's it's through Thump. Okay. Um, it's Vice is I own the podcast, mm-hmm. but Vice is distributing it via okay. Thump, their dance music website. Um, so you can go to you know I think it's vice.thump.com and find it there. Okay. Or just go to iTunes and type in Rave Curious and it'll come up. It's part of the Vice Podcasting Network. Um, cool. But you know I was looking and there was uh, you know one thing podcasts always do they always ask for you know they ask people to go and you know write reviews 
mm-hmm. of podcasts because that's I guess how iTunes Through decides it, yeah. which podcast to recommend. Like if you have lots of lots of you know positive reviews and positive feedback, then when people go to looking for say a com- you know what are the big comedy podcast, that's one of the factors. Um, so I, knew, I was really excited that I, I saw that I had I had two reviews. No, and one of them was one of them was even from someone I don't know. Which was awesome, and one of them was from someone I do know, mm-hmm. and who I've talked to about the podcast. But it's it's I was still really flattered that he went and did it. This is uh, this was not like you know my dad doing yeah. it, so it was really cool. And then I looked at what All Songs Considered has, which is the NPR music podcast, of course. and they're at like five hundred and twenty six reviews. Mm-hmm. So I have five hundred and twenty four to go. Yeah, is is my goal. So well, so if you're listening, go go, go go review it. Yeah, go to iTunes and you know subscribe. And and write a review, and that that then I'll have to get five hundred and sixty three more. There you go, and, and we'll be all good. So <laughs> just got to beat them. Um, it's kind of incredible because I started getting into well, actually, I mean, there's been DJ podcasts for quite a while, but as far as the conversational tone or mm-hmm. whatever you want to refer to it as, that only kind of picked up in the last, uh, I guess, let's say seven or eight years now. Um, and I remember, you know, like uh, I was listening to the early ones from like Adam Carolla and Joe Rogan and Mark Maron when those guys had worse microphones than we're on right now. Sure. And I actually had called into the Carolla show before. And, you know, I mean, like this was really easy to do that stuff. And now it's mm-hmm. like people are grabbing it a million times a week or, yeah, a month oh, or whatever. The, the, like the, it, Their numbers are huge. Yeah, it's it's a really big thing now. And so... I was actually really. But I thought you were saying dance music or like electronic music podcast or no? You were well, those are massive too. But the, the those guys for but, their for their conversational tone, right? I don't think anyone was doing conversational podcast about electronic music. No, and they still aren't. I mean, until, well, RA you know, RA was really probably the first, and that that's a bit more I would say academic or yes, like historic, studious. Yeah, and then you hit well, um, who was it? Was it uh, Bill? Uh, he was from New York. Bill Patrick? Bill Patrick. He had something going briefly, I heard, oh, I never, but I was I never listening or anything. But I was told about that. Uh, but anyway, you know, there was nothing really to fill this void. And for a long time, I wanted to do it. But I've kind of been at odds with it because I'm kind of conflicted. On one hand, I, I really hate the media just immensely. But on the other hand, I feel like... There's a, a duty that's being missed. I don't necessarily know that I'm the guy to to fulfill that duty, but nobody else well, is. Well, when you say you hate the media, you mean like you, you hate like music journalism or, you know, journalism specific to... Well, journalism in to general. To the, 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 the world you... Well, I mean, I think... And you are a music journalist, so maybe you can or can chime in because that would be going oh, we're, against we're colleagues. People. Well, but the thing is, is I think for music journalists and like... Uh, let's say record reviews and stuff. A lot of these guys are journalists that couldn't really cut it in other fields of journalism, and I feel like music journalism gets a lot of rejects. Hmm. Or I, it's a lazy journalism, or am I just being an asshole? Um, I don't know. you know, I, I I can't speak to. There's some amazing guys. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but. I and I I can't speak to anyone else's motivations. I know that you know when like when I became a music journalist. I mean, it, it was completely by accident. It was yeah. literally I was, you know, I was helping by selling ads for a new alt weekly that was launching in Detroit, mm-hmm. and they were getting ready to put out the first issue, and they were just like, "Oh, it's like 1999," and they're like, "Oh, we wanna we wanna cover techno and DJs," um, 
hey, Josh, you're into techno and DJs, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you got any friends who are, you know, like DJs? I'm like, yeah, I know a few. And they're like, you want to interview one of your friends? Like, it was literally mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't, I, I really had no ambition to be, you know, a journalist or a critic or whatever you want to call it um, when I got into this. But it was like literally, I, I called up Derek Plasleko and, and asked if he wanted to get interviewed. Uh, for this new magazine that was coming out, and he was the first person I ever interviewed, and I was the first person to ever interview him. Yeah. So, so we, you know, we have we have, we have that bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the next week, the the editor was like, "Hey, so uh, Underworld is uh, is coming to town, and uh, do, do, do you want to interview Underworld? Like, mm-hmm. you know, call call Underworld on the phone and interview them." And it was like, you know, like. The, definitely like the biggest act in the world. Like Train Spotting was out, and yeah. they were huge. When Underworld was Underworld, and literally, there's this second, the second group I ever interviewed mm-hmm. was Underworld. So it, it went, it went from, it went from you know, my buddy Derek, who you know was just a local Detroit DJ, and then a week later, I'm on the phone with the Underworld. So, so well, I was on the phone with Darren Emerson, who was part of Underworld, yeah. but not really, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so yeah, I you know as far as you know what people's intentions are, I think as far as you know, well, it's all good intentions. Yeah, roughly. or you know, it's it's something like like well, when we were just you know recording my podcast, you were talking about how people want to get involved and, and mm-hmm. however they want to get involved. I think I think when it, you know music music journalist, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of people who you know they want to be some part people. Of it. Yeah, some people become DJs. Some people become promoters. Some people, you know make fanzines back in the day or, mm-hmm. or start blogs it's you know it's definitely just yeah wanting to participate now what mm-hmm. happens once you do that and then it shifts into a career and there's you know different expectations and also you know not just in what you want to do but also the way technology changes the way media trends you know the way media is consumed i've been doing this long enough that you know when i started it was a weekly you know a weekly newsprint magazine yeah that you know i remember the first time i realized i had influence and it was you know it was a slow week in detroit there wasn't really any you know there wasn't any big dj's coming to town to write about cuz you know, i kind of got into this pattern where every week whatever dj big D- name dj was coming to play detroit i would get him on the phone and do an interview and we'd run that interview the yeah. fact that i was also promoting the club that was booking these dj's you know, conflict of interest aside, you know, who yeah. cares? Because it's like, okay, I'm doing all the work. I'm throwing the party and I'm writing, I'm interviewing the DJ to promote the party. You yeah. know, shove it. It's not, you know, it's not politics. It's not, you know, world economics. It's yeah. techno. Who cares? Um, but the one week there wasn't anything going on. And so I decided to write, you know, here's, here's the 10 best mix CDs of all time, you know, according to me and my personal yeah. mix CD collection. Yeah. Um, cause I, you know, I had that level of arrogance and, you know, who was going to tell me differently According to Josh. Yeah. yeah. And I, I put as the number one, uh, Jeff Mills live at the liquid room as the, the best techno mix CD mm-hmm. of all time, um, which I could still make that argument. It's, it's definitely um, up there. If not, yeah, you know I mean? it's, so. it's, it's fantastic and everyone should check it out even though it's mind blowingly fast. Yeah. Like it's re- almost hard to listen to. It's so fast, mm-hmm. but but anyways, I walked into the local record store the day that the magazine came out, and the owner of the store came up to me. He's like, "He's like, dude, wh- why did you do that? And I, wh- what do you mean? He's like, I've had three people in here, are, in here already looking for this CD, and it's not in print. I can't get it. 
And I was like, wait, people actually read what I wrote yeah. and responded by going to the record store yeah. and asking for it. Like that, that was that. I mean, that was huge for me. Not just not just from an ego thing and from an influence thing, but I remember, you know, I just think we remember when I was a little bit younger, like when I was in high school, you know, reading reviews of, you know, I remember reading a review of My Bloody Valentine, Loveless, when it came out. Yeah, and literally that review. By the time I, I got to the end of that review, I you know, walked out of my bedroom, went downstairs. Asked my mom if I could have the car keys because I had to drive to the record store and hear this album right now. Yeah. So the fact that I was able to do that for somebody else was was amazing. Yeah. Um. So that was you know, that was really how I came at it when I started writing. Of course, mm-hmm. you know this was before this was before the internet really was a thing, and now the internet is everything. So you know what people write about, the way they have to write, the fact that. You know, so much more content needs to be generated. It's it's a whole other ball game as far as you know what people write about and and how they choose to approach it and how they choose mm-hmm. to continue to feed the beast. And then you know, there's 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 conflicting opinions and there's comment sections and there's you know there's so much. And in a lot of ways, it's it's much richer mm-hmm. than just having this kind of one way conversation where you know the guy who happens to be the music writer gets to write mm-hmm. his 10 favorite tech you know techno CDs yeah. but it it definitely changes things yeah you know i mean and th- that's the thing like so you're talking about having that power that influence and that's a thing that i think it's a double edged sword and part of it is generates my like i said the hatred for the mm-hmm. media but the other part is what i think is so vital because on one hand i hate it because if there's a handful of people or a dozen people that have this influence of making or breaking various artists or records, that's great because it's now a collective. It's a general let's let's say it's a sampling of the mm-hmm. demographic. But lately, it seems like you got about two or three at the most sites out there that will make or break an artist's career based solely on what one of the guy thinks that's you know reviewing I- the record or says this guy's the newest motherfucker out of Berlin or, you know what I mean? And that's a scary thing. Cause at that point it's a monopoly. I, I can see that. And there's definitely, you know, I, I have enough friends who are musicians and kind of who, who deal with these things. Um, and, you know, I can see it both ways. I could, you know, I could like, I think a, 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 an example of something that really worked well is Mike Servito. Mm-hmm. Who you know, Mike is an old school Detroit DJ. He's been playing been records as, as long as I've been, you know, writing about yep. this music. You know, he's he's all he's a great guy. He's always been a great DJ. He never and he never wanted to be a famous DJ. Mm-hmm. He you know he always did it for love. Always just you know, it was just his thing. But he didn't really care. Yeah. Um, never tried to make a career out of it. And you know, slowly things start to pick up. He started gigging in New York. He hooked up with the Bunker. But then really what did it, I think, was Resident Advisor. And I'm sure when you say, you know, there's three outlets that, well, that dominate. Well, obviously the, the top one, They roughly. are definitely the, yeah, the, the 800-pound gorilla. Yeah. And in the case of, you know, I, I really feel like it was just, you know, I was, I was at the No Way Back party in Detroit in 2014 when Servito played 
what honestly was one of my all-time yeah, favorite I sets. Was, I heard that set was incredible. And actually. and I don't remember who wrote the review, but there was you know a couple of RA people there. I know Will Lynch was there. Yeah. Um, I think Jordan was there. Like it was you know a whole RA contingent had gone mm-hmm. to that party because we're also all friends, and they knew that was the party to go to. Ed Servito did play the killer set, and then mm-hmm. when when you know interdimensional transmissions who threw the party put it put his set up as a podcast mm-hmm. so then at the end of the year ra does their list of you know best online mixes of the year and you know this mike servito guy who i gotta assume 99 percent of the ra audience has never heard of mm-hmm. suddenly it's the best mix of the year i mean that's that's awesome because it was you know a room full of 200 people in yeah. detroit like that's it's there's not usually the opportunity and the fact that the proof was in the mix that people could click play sure. right there. I don't think, you know, if it had been, and that's one of the things that that you have nowadays in the media that you don't have is, you know, rarely is there, you know, back in the day it used to be, you had to trust the journalist. If you read something, yeah. you had to trust them and you had to go show out the money to find out mm-hmm. if it was, if, if they were real or not. Nowadays, you know, the journalist might point you in a direction, but if you click play and it's not your thing, I don't think it really matters what the journalist says. Hmm. But the, the other part of it is, is, I mean, I guess it depends on the people. Some people, when I look at a record review now, like let's use mm-hmm. RA as an example. The first thing I'll do before I even read the review or check out the rating, I scroll down to see who wrote the review. Because mm-hmm. there's some of the reviewers I think are absolute dog shit. And there's some of them that I'm like, this guy knows what he's talking about. But there's a lot of people... They don't care who wrote the review. They just think, oh, resident advisor wrote the review, and whatever whatever they say is what passes. And it's like, well, you know, RA is a group of people, and mm-hmm. they all have different tastes. You know what I mean? What Will's into is vastly different from, let's say, Ryan, or you know what I mean? Sure, so, sure. I, I uh, think, and then it becomes the job of the editors, mm-hmm. I think, to to make sure this was like when I was when I was the editor of Herb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt like one of my responsibilities was, you know. I'm not going to review every record, but I, I wanted always tried to make sure that that when I was resign, assigning record reviews, the people who who wrote the review had a vested interest in that artist. One of my reviews made it in, so I'm happy. Did you did you review something? No, I mean or, I was, or you got was one reviewed. of your records got <laughs> yeah. reviewed. Well, yeah, like when we would do the singles, the the you know, like that mm-hmm. was like the techno singles. It was like one guy who did yeah all the, the techno singles review for the yeah. month because it wasn't that many. Yeah, but I would think more like you know album reviews, more featured things at the front of the review right, and section. you would you would try to find you know you want to make sure the writer was somebody who is inclined to like that artist. Like you want to give it, it's it's their wheelhouse. Yeah, that way, yeah, they might be more inclined to give it a good review because they like it mm-hmm. but then but if they don't like it they can they cannot like it with authority because yeah. that's it's their you know they actually know the artist they follow the artist they're maybe fans of the artist so they can give it a an honest you know informed critique yeah so that was that was and i you know i liked i like to assume that that ra does that um you know i'm, I'm certain there's also times when it's like someone's got to review this here dude take it yeah, you know uh, there was plenty of that. I mean, I've I've reviewed it's I, a shifty I've reviewed, industry. I've, I've reviewed albums by listening to the first three songs yeah. of bands I never heard of or never liked in music. I don't care about. But you know, the next seven tracks are going to be the same. And, and I yeah, because I just I had to because someone had to because you know like because we're you're going to print and this has to get done. Mm-hmm. That 
that is a reality as well. Yeah. But I think I, I think I can also safely say for every time I maybe gave somebody a bad review without giving them a fair shake, there's a lot of people I probably gave too kind. Of, I gave too kind of a review to that later I went back and I was like, or that why day it I, sounded great. Yeah, <laughs> why did I? Why did I say I, that was good? Because I, I, you know. Mm-hmm. I had had a good lunch that day, so yeah, I was you were in a, a good, good mood, mood. You know, you know, the next day we went someplace crummy, so I was, you know, my yeah. I was tired. I didn't want to be at work, and so mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's so many factors. Um, yeah, whether you know maybe you're depressed or maybe you met a lady or something. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, all that kind of shit. But um, you know, so I mean, the thing is, is uh, and not not just Ari, you got fact, you got um, accelerator, you got a lot of different kind of blogs that are still around. So on one hand, uh, you know, that's one thing I don't like about the media. But the other thing I'd like about it is I am a music fan first and foremost. So I really like talking about, you know, every month I do a top 10 chart just like Ryan Elliott does. I think it's the the best way you can pay it forward as, you know, I make money off these guys when I go and DJ. You know what I mean? They're not getting any of this money that I make when I play. But the at least I can do is be like, this record's awesome. You got to check it out. And then maybe these kids will get booked somewhere. Sure. And I like it when people, you know, if I go out to a bar or club around here, somebody asks me about gear or some crap like that. I don't really want to chat about it, but I can chat about records all night, new or old. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's also another uh, part of the media that's really important or it's it's good to educate mm-hmm. the people. And that's what kind of brought me closer to the podcast thing because I thought, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there and it needs to be clarified. And there's a lot of things that are of interest to people that there just isn't, uh, that isn't being brought to light. So it's important to do the podcast thing. However, uh, in the last podcast, I dropped the word idiom. Uh, I have another one of those, like, uh, what is it? Something like familiarity leads to contempt. And, Basically, what that means for someone that isn't fluent in English is it's like the more you begin to understand or become familiar with somebody, the more likely you are to start to dislike or even hate them. And so that's another part, uh, especially being a techno guy. Techno is all about being mysterious to some mm-hmm. degree. It's like, well, is it anymore, though? It still is. I mean, if you look at Hard Wax, there's still a lot of like hand jobbery going on with like this white, you know, label stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it'll always be part of the culture to some extent. But um, yeah. So I mean, I've been at odds with it's like, do you kind of lift the veil a little bit as far as the industry goes with the podcast or not? I think on one hand, it's important because you can really educate people or steer them away from really bad advice or whatever. And so I see both sides at it and I'm still really into doing the podcasting. I've had a lot of fun, but I could just as easily close up shop tomorrow. How do you feel about all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess my attitude doesn't, you know, I, I really like the podcast format. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it's as, as as somebody who's been writing about this music for you know, almost almost two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I've done a, a a fair job of of you know telling telling the right stories yeah. and and you know promoting the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely you know I like the fact that you know no matter how much I'm trying to be you know fair and balanced and explain everything, yeah. you're editing. 
it, it's it's your. There's you know, always it, going to be a bias. I'm, I'm a filter. Yeah. I'm, I mean, there's no way to not be a filter. The podcast format is nice because it lets you know it lets the person I'm interviewing tell their tale without any sort of filter. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you know, as far as if it if it if it if it helps people or you know if, if it gives insights to them, you know, for for me, it I. It, it's similar to how I felt about, you know, music magazines or, you know, first and then, you know, music websites or whatever. It works for some people. I can mm-hmm. honestly say that some of my favorite records, my enjoyment of that record has been enhanced by something I've read regarding mm-hmm. that record, that artist, whether it's, you know, whether it was a, a line from, uh, you know, a record review. In- interesting little fact. The experience and that it brings to that. Exactly. It gives you a new way to think about it. Yeah. And so like something I would have never noticed from a record, I, it gets pointed out to me in a review. And so now I have this appreciation. Yeah. Or even through for, movies or something. For that element. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's anything. It's not just music. Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, journalism or criticism has in has contributed positively to my experience of music. Yeah. Um. And the people who who that doesn't work for, they're not going to spend the time to begin with. They're not going to buy a music magazine. They're not going to spend an hour listening to a podcast. You know, talking about techno. They're they're and that's fine. That's mm-hmm. that's probably most people. Yeah. I mean, we're um, gonna have a very limited audience. Exactly. There are people that are actually gonna really give a shit too. And that's great. And that's that's who you want to talk to. Like yeah. you know, it's it's a niche within a niche. But I'm I'm totally comfortable with that. And mm-hmm. I, I've never felt like, oh, I'm manipulating the game yeah. by by participating in it. Sure. I, I've never felt like that was really an issue. Um but I you know, I know there's I know there's people who do feel like they've been manipulated or you know artists who are concerned that manipulation is going on. Yeah. Um I, I like to think that that nobody's that callous. Um although then I you know I look at some of the headlines on some of the you know less esteemed dance music blogs mm-hmm. and you're like okay yeah maybe and it's funny I actually I actually got called out I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. Let's hear it. I did I did get called out and um and so I just I just posted a podcast with Buzz Gory, mm-hmm. who is a you know one of the underground resistance DJs. Yeah, and that you know the whole thing with underground resistance is it gets nebulous. Like everybody knows, like underground resistance, like it started off, you know, Jeff Mills and Mike Banks. You know, Jeff was the DJ. Mike played you know played the keyboards, and then Rob Hood was like the the MC. And, yeah, you know, no, that was the, the original video, yeah. like, kind of live lineup. And then, you know, they were all three were working together, you know, making tracks and putting out these records. But then, you know, after Jeff left and Rob left, a whole lot of people have come and gone. And, you know, you're never really sure, like, you know, to what extent are they affiliates? Yeah, like, are they members? Uh, is this it's, guy part of it? Or you know? Right. And, and Buzz, you know, I've known Buzz for years. I've known him to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like you, 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 the nitty gritty, how much. Anyways. The podcast came out, and the headline was, you know, meet the DJ who replaced Jeff Mills in Underground Resistance. Because, you know, technically the way Buzz tells it, when Jeff left, Mike asked him, we need a new DJ. Do you want to be the DJ? Yeah. At the time, Buzz was more of a house DJ. And he literally told Mike, like, I'm not 
versed enough uh, in the techno to do this. So then I guess like, you know, Alan Oldham, DJ T1000 became the DJ for a while. In the meantime, Buzz, be, you know, got acquainted with the techno to the point where he felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then at some point he became the DJ. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but anyways, uh, Cornelius, who's, you know, kind of like the manager of UR or Submerge or, you know, kind of, you know, keeps, you know, has always been the contact that I've known for years. He hit me up and was like, you know, that's, that's not really correct to say. And, you know, and I literally just had to say to him, well, okay, I just, you know, I just have what Buzz told me to go on. Yeah. And, you know, language is language. You know, the word replaced can mean, you know, various different things. I'm not going to argue semantics with with the guy. Mm -hmm. But I was like, tell me, like, you know, break it down for me because I'll be honest with you. I don't know the intricacies. I don't think most people know the intricacies. That's why you asked the question in the first place, right? Yeah. So, so you know, I could see how this could be confusing. Mm-hmm. I could see how. I'm, let's be honest. You know, we both thought like, you know, it's you got you need a kind of a, an impressive headline, or no one's going to click on it. Yeah. But and I, frankly, I just thanked him for coming to me with it. Yeah. Um, because I think in most cases people would just complain and be like, "Oh, that guy, like you know, that's that's bullshit. He's always talking about you know." And the fact that you know. Somebody, you know, they literally they took the time to reach out, and I think maybe it's because I have the history with them and the relationship with them. We've just known each other for a long time. We could have these conversations, mm-hmm. um, so that's cool. So I, 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 I kind of forget what the original, what the original thing we were talking about was, or why I brought up this story. But um, I don't know. I've been drinking sake, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. But, by, by the way, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm not drinking with you. I know, but I just, you're trying just, to be healthy and responsible. That's because you moved out of Berlin. I'm yeah, still because I live in LA Berlin. and I don't I don't really drink anymore. Although I did yeah. drink this weekend because and I was back in Berlin. Train wrecks where you're supposed to drink. Well, I but, feel like I that's feel why like, I didn't offer you a drink because I'm trying to respect your wishes. You well, know, I, I feel like my uh, my train of thought has wrecked. At this point, because I don't remember why we told the story. So so it's another type of train wreck that's happening right well, now. Well, I mean, we were getting into the fact that uh, you got called out because uh, yeah, there were some inaccuracies. Yeah, but why did, it, why did I bring that up? I'm not even going to rewind <laughs> it, but let's just, as, let's just assume that the reason that you got called out, because we were talking about... Uh, we were talking about journalism and the different yeah. ways that, that people Whether perceive. it's manipulated or not, mm-hmm. or whether it's accurate or not. Oh, and, oh, yeah, we were talking about, um, you know, the, the less esteemable oh, uh, outlets and, yeah. that maybe use some exploitative headlines to try to just yeah. to try to get traffic, and that that's an even newer thing, I think. Within, well, yeah, it's clickbait kind of shit, exactly. But, you know, and to take it, I don't know if it's even a step further or backward, but let's say sideways. One thing that used to be massive back in the day, it was after mailing lists, but before Facebook and MySpace was message boards. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that was a great resource for people to learn a lot about music mm-hmm. or to laugh at people fighting it with each other. You know, oh, you'd have like it, Frankie it, Bones fighting with Belcher on Discogs or something. But it was much more easy to first of all find subjects and refer to them back then because this was a like a discussion that was archived mm-hmm. and facebook does that now in the thread format and but in the news format but it, it disappears immediately because yeah. there's like you know cows <clears throat> laying around with dogs out in a field or some shit like that and it, it, all that kind of stuff just clutters <laughs> it up you know what i mean so 
there is people every day talking about records, but it's like if you post a YouTube link of the newest Sleep Archive record, there will be like three kids who are like, oh, that's fucking awesome, and there's like mm-hmm. eight likes, and then by tomorrow, it's you have gone. no clue. You're like, oh, that was... Uh, it's like the, you know, you see one person on the subway, and you're never going to see that again. You know that yeah. person was wearing a crazy hat, and that's it. And uh, so I kind of miss message boards. I mean, yeah, you got your trolls and people who talk shit, and you got your funny characters, but, but at least it was a very clear. Here's you know, if 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 you haven't been on for it was a eight community. hours, here's yeah. here's the twelve things that the community is talking about today. Yeah, and, and you could actually it was easier to stay in topic and yeah. refer back to it, or you know, go back to it a month later and be like, this guy popped up again mm-hmm. with another cool record. Yeah. Oh, and, I was I was really upset actually. Um, Detroit had one of those. It was called Detroit, Detroit Love. Love. That yeah. was yeah, and. <laughs> It's gone. Yeah. I, I, I just oh, it's dis- gone. I just discovered oh. last week that it's. Oh, I, no. I was. I was talking to. I was talking to Eric Cloutier, and you know we were both really active on it in like yeah, yeah. like two thousand one, two thousand two, and I went to look for a specific post uh, that I wrote in like like a two thousand one review of a Richie Houghton uh, event, and and I was like, oh my god, it's. It's, it's gone. gone. Did you go to the Wayback Machine on the internet? I know. I, I well, you I, should. I, I probably have it. I hope so. I hope so. But um. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's funny you bring up Detroit Love because uh, when I first got my start with DJing, uh, you know, you really had to search if it wasn't for magazines for feedback on whether you were a shitty DJ or not. And Detroit Love was what I got hit the hardest, Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, I remember one reply was this guy that just said, I wish Dustin Zahn would just die already. <laughs> Oddly enough, that wasn't the first time I read that on the internet, but... Uh, and I was like, well, that guy's an asshole. You know, didn't think anything of it. And then about three or four years later, I'm in San Francisco. Uh, I can't remember if my party got canceled or if it was the next night, but I ended up playing this kind of like swanky house party and stuff. Or it wasn't even a house, but it was a loft, but we were beating out techno and shit. And this guy comes up to me and he goes, I just got to tell you something, man. I'm really sorry. I'm like, what's up? He's like, uh, I wrote something really bad about you on the internet back in the day. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he's like... Oh, yeah, there was this forum, and, uh, you know, I really didn't think much of you, but now, like, I realize you're really fucking cool, and I respect you a lot, and you're making good music. I'm like, well, what'd you say? And he's like, ah, I just really wanted you to fucking die immediately. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's you. You know what I mean? Do you remember his name? I feel like I personally knew half the people on that board, at least. uh, I don't know. He's he's in San Fran now? Just, I just met him in San you Fran. You met him in San Fran, but yeah. I'll try and think of it offhand, but I, like he DJed that night also. He was a DJ. Hmm. But Detroit based Detroit. I don't know if he was from Detroit. He was just true, on the yeah, forum. There was, there there was, was all kinds of people on there. Places. But yeah, he wanted me to die. And uh, <laughs> but that was also the beauty of the message boards because everybody was uh, you know, was talking mm-hmm. shit and was a badass. But yeah, you know, that was a place, that was a forum where people could discuss things. Those are mostly non-existent now. Um, so I think things like the podcasts are important to keep going because, uh, well, first of all, they have to listen to us and we don't have to listen to them. So that's kind of cool. True. But um, And I haven't really decided if I'll put a message board up on, on my site or not. Or I don't know if I'll ever get it. I don't even know if this is really going to take off. So maybe there will be like a, a chat room or something, a live chat to take questions someday. I don't know. Probably not. But uh, maybe someday you'll do it. You'll do a Reddit. You'll do it. You'll do an AMA. Actually, I an I, AMA about a podcast about now, the podcast. Now, now yeah, I did one about I think I did what about myself. I can't remember. I answered some shit on there and 
it was whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like the site, but nobody on Reddit gives a shit about me. But uh, so, no, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of keeping the line of communication open, whether it's for what's going on in the in the scene, or to educate people, or to talk about music, and uh, you know. That's something that I think is severely missing these days, even though people are glued to their phones 24-7. You know what I mean? That's interesting because, yeah, like I, I'm always surprised having, having had, the, had, had, the, had the voice, you know, had the ivory tower where I could just deem things worthy and the masses would listen to me. Yeah. Um, and then having you know, seen that go away with the kind of demise of print and – not quite catching the the online wave the way some people did. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I'm always I, I I my my gut nowadays when I hear like like an artist complaining about you know the media, you know, and I'm I'm like me. What? <laughs> I'm like, well, no, it, it it's I'm like I'm like, what media are you referring to that you feel is so insidious and powerful? Because well, you might think I'm in, insidious. I don't particularly feel powerful mm. anymore, but I guess maybe it's just because I'm not, you know, I'm not the editor of Resident Advisor. Maybe maybe Ryan feels incredibly powerful, and he's definitely yeah. insidious. So, <laughs> but I mean, I, well, the thing is, and I mean, it's it's definitely prevalent in in Europe, but especially in America, uh, you know, they being far enough away from it and maybe especially for people that haven't experienced much success those are obviously the ones that are very inclined to start throwing up accusations um and so if if shit's not going your way or if you think you're making great music and you're not getting booked you're gonna start talking crap about anybody you're not playing the media game this dj sucks or he's a sellout or and you assume that you know the publicists are throwing money at the magazine how much did he spend to get that review or like oh you know did he you know and then i don't even want to say things that they do for things yeah where is where where is this pay to play and can i have some please yeah (laughs) you know i mean like if it's that easy then sign me up but it it, it isn't (laughs) you know what i mean and uh so, I mean, I get it. Like, everybody wants a scapegoat, and it can never be your fault, ever. Like, where I'm sitting at with my career right now, I know I could definitely take things to, like, the quote-unquote next step or next mm-hmm. level. And I know that it's all on me at this point. Yeah. And the reason it's not happening, whether I want it to or not, is because of me. I could sit there and accuse a lot of people, but that would be stupid. But the thing is, is when you haven't really had any success or, let's say, success in years, you have to assume that it's everybody else's fault. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you why you're not having more success. What's that? Do, do you want to know? Sure. You haven't made a logo. That's true. I still we, don't we, have we, <laughs> we, talked, we talked about this like two years. When, when did your drum code album come out? 2014, yeah. So we we talked about this, you know, over a burger, yeah. yeah. And you 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 had to get a logo made, and you were dreading it. You were dreading that you. Had I'm to dreading get a logo it so much made. that I still haven't done it. In fact, I still haven't done a proper photo shoot since then because I told you I need to update my entire press kit, a new bio, a new uh, all these DJ photos. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, me looking at yeah, the I ground really, with my headphones. I was really counting on shit. that hundred euros you were going to pay me to do your bio, Dustin. So well. You know what? I think you got a burger out of the deal instead. And then the logo. Um, I'm still zero for three on that. Okay. But um, I'm still getting booked, so who's got the last laugh? Well, But that shit is going to get done. And it's actually in draft format on my computer, but... Can I see it? 
Well, I don't have the actual uh, the writing part, but I have no. Oh, oh, I thought you meant I thought you meant a draft. No, I don't care about what your bio says. I want to see your logo. Oh no, I, I, like I haven't to, even I, gotten far. To I that. Would, I, okay, because I was I, I I thought it would be cool to have a writer critique your graphic. Uh, that presence. would be pretty. I thought I thought that would be maybe that's a Wonderground article in the works. There or, we go, uh, or a series of sorts. Well, because like, like we were talking about, you know, like you you have this this you know customized Heineken bottle from yeah. what what festival was that? Uh, Amsterdam Open Air. For a lot what? of people, when you when you play festivals in Holland, uh, they're sponsored by Heineken, so they'll give you a six pack of beer with, with your, your name, name on plastered it. on it. Yeah. But if you had a logo. Like like somebody else decided yeah. what font to write your name in on the beer bottle. Well, that's interesting yeah. that you mentioned that. And the reason that I got I was like, I need a fucking logo is because I'm looking at these uh you know, festival posters and everybody's got these cool name logos or whatever. And then there's just Dustin's on and Capital Locks and Helvetica or Times yeah. New Roman because I don't have a font or a logo. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I need something because I'm the most generic guy on the mm-hmm. flyer. Not that I really give a shit about what it looks like, but I'm like, this is. But everybody else has a logo. Everybody else and- is doing it. I'm doing it every weekend. So why? And, and you might have better placement. You might be, you know, they might make it slightly bigger if you had a cool logo. Yeah, exactly. I have, you know, yeah. nothing to offer in the visual department. Yeah. So, and uh, I'm still working on that. I actually, I mean, I have one, but I think it's a bit. Dumb, so I don't. Yeah. Well, know. there's there's other people. There's I mean, because I know uh, like a lot of times now, be, because there's so much competition with like you know the logo placement and the placement on the poster and all this, you know, and a lot of you know some places are going to alphabetical listing, especially some of these big festivals. Almost every festival these days. They, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's hard enough, but then if you need to start figuring out like you know what order everyone goes in, it's it's a nightmare. But you know, I, I happen to know of of and I'm not gonna name names, but a a specific new artist, not in the techno community, but yeah. in the dance music community, was was literally trying to come up with a name, and the name had to start, start with an A. Start with an A. Yeah. In fact, they were they were trying to like like start with two A's, so that you would guarantee that that first placement on the poster, because um, you don't want like. Uh, Alessio Pupitano Tati yeah. <laughs> whatever in front of you or something like the local that's opening at one in the afternoon Pupitano. <laughs> you know what I mean so I, I totally understand that mm-hmm. um, you know I mean my last name is on so I was the last one to get a drink at the water fountain in grade school uh, this, you this know I understand the alphabetical order thing <laughs> better than anybody in the industry you know what I'm saying so um, so you need to get you need okay but okay maybe like more slightly more serious question what what would a step up in your career look like for you? Well, that's funny that you mention it because I've been talking to people a lot about it these days as uh, is I'm going into my 30s now. And it's like because I read an article uh, recently what the average American makes in the United States for 2015. I mean, now we're into 2016, but it was at the end of the year. And I forget what it was, but it was actually I think it went down to fifty thousand, which it was less. It was fifty two thousand a year or two before that. Okay. Uh, here in Berlin, I think it's uh, twenty two or something. Um, so, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, what is success these days? Like, if you make let's say two hundred thousand dollars a year, but you're a hundred and fourteen thousand in debt from college, mm-hmm. are you rich or are you successful? You know who's successful? Who's more rich and successful, that guy or the guy who makes forty k a year but doesn't have any debt to his name? You know what I it, mean? It's whoever drives the most expensive car, right? Well, in America, right? yes, yeah, that's yeah. how it goes. 
But let's say let's let's. Well, say I think in, I think in the DJ realm, it, it too is the biggest private jet in the summer. Definitely, I think how, how much Ramoa luggage you have, you know, all mm-hmm. the sort of things, flyer status. But yeah, get, uh, getting back to seriousness, so it's like, well, what what is success these days? And it's you know, some DJs they feel like they need to headline and close mm-hmm. every festival. They have to be that top build logo. Um, they have to make more money, have the private jet, like all the stuff that comes with it, all the toys, all the boys or girls, you name it. Um, there's some DJs who want to be known more as an artist or producer. Like they don't give a shit about playing these festivals. They're like, you know, like Burial, he doesn't want to DJ at all. Like, you know, when he drops a record, the world stops for a day to say Burial has released a record, right. you know. Um, and then you have people like me who... You know, I'm comfortable enough. I'm not loaded, but I don't have to worry about bills. You know, it's covered. I'm middle class. So, of course, I will always welcome more money and more gigs. But if I've had to say what the next level is for me, it's being able to travel with my friends more, bring people from my record label roster Mm. with me, um, playing the right environments. Because sometimes I play at parties and I'm not suited for that environment. Right. they just booked me because they needed a drum code guy or something like that. And so I guess it would be like for me, less gigs, but they're better gigs. And for let's say the same money or, or more, you know what I mean? So my idea of success is just refining whatever right. I'm doing. So you'd be, be more selective. Yeah. And to be able to start, I guess, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not mentoring, but, um, Including these yeah, just people. include bring yeah. Along, yeah, bring along bring along you your know, friends. Like one of my favorite DJs is Donato Dazi. Um, for a lot of promoters know, like he doesn't do many bookings anymore. He's from Rome, Italy. He's like one of these heady techno guys. I feel uh, like he plays all the time lately. It feels like it. I mean, the but thing, is, is that just because? I think it's just a media thing. Like it, our little like, our little world, our little world, our yeah. microcosm, our microcosm. The thing is, is actually he he doesn't take many bookings. He's very selective. He's like. You know, he's at an age where he's like, I, I, I know what I need to survive to mm-hmm. be happy. So he could play a lot more. He just doesn't give a shit. He's like one of the coolest. Well, maybe dudes. it's just because we're only going to the good parties, and he's only selecting the good parties. But we don't, we but don't know, of, we don't know about the he's, gigs, all the gigs he's not yeah. taking in between the times we see him once a month. He could take a lot of paycheck gigs, you know, mm-hmm. but he's taking the ones that he actually okay. wants to do. He's getting, I'm assuming, the money that he wants. I don't get into the, that with him, but you know, so it's like. He's right where he wants to be. I'm sure he has goals as to where he could go with it. But, um, and to me, that's kind of inspiring to, you know, in my opinion, that's success. Now, if you talk to some of these other people, they're like, well, I got to do 17 gigs a month. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's January right now. So we got to start focusing on Miami. We got to figure out uh, Detroit, Mutech. Sonar. Oh, like having a presence at all the tent. Yeah, we got to hit events. every tent pole event. Mm-hmm. We got to maybe we got to do six to eight dates in Ibiza, and then then we'll start worrying about the fall, and we'll do right. we'll fill in whether it's Berghain, uh, a warehouse project in Manchester, or weather festival, or whatever is like yeah. the big thing of the month. You know, but I, I mean? think that I, I think part of that, and and. Maybe consider this a warning. Mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong, but I feel like you're going to start bringing along your friends. Like you said, that's one of your goals. Yeah. The next step, that the probably not a problem, but once you start bringing along your friends, the next thing is you start to become a little responsible for those friends. Yeah. And then like your brand 
is no longer just you. Your brand is you and your friends. And so now there needs to be, you know, an enemy records night in Ibiza because you, you got to kind <laughs> yeah. of carry your friends to an extent. I, and I think, you know, and, and it's not necessarily not to say it's a bad thing, not to say it's, it's a dangerous it's, thing. It's but it is something that I, I think, you know, I, I do think a decent amount of, of these guys may have maybe made decisions, you know, based on, yeah, you're kind of carrying this whole brand mm-hmm. with you. And there's other people who are your friends, who are your colleagues or people you do want to help. But now you're the patron. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. You know, you're you're not a mentor, but you become kind of a patron mm-hmm. for these people. And I think I've you know you're starting to see, you know, some DJs at certain levels almost try to disengage from that. You know, I don't I don't know why Chris well, Liebing is close CLR, but but I, I kind of guess maybe that's you know part of it is you know the focus. Well, you know. CLR was around forever. Yeah, and no, gotta, and I, 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 don't mean, I don't mean I don't mean I don't mean to speak no, but for I mean, Chris, but I imagine exactly what I had in mind where to go with. Uh, you know, I was not. A lot of people have this impression that I was part of CLR. I did a bunch of podcasts for them. I did some remix. Uh-huh. As far as I'm concerned, I'm part of the extended family, but I was never a yeah. core member. You know, I've been part of Drum Code. We have other friends that were part of Minus, whatever. All these like big. Uh, house techno minimal clicks and groups over the years where it did become a brand and um yeah and it's, it's the one tough. advantage is you get to party with your friends all the time totally and you get to go to some pretty badass parties you get to be in the spotlight mm-hmm. blah 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 but at the end of the day you have to remember and this isn't uh you could say this comfortably about anybody who's the figurehead of any organization that's the way it is like you know chris Liebing, who's at the top chris yeah. uh, or of, of clr chris Liebing. Adam Bear, drum code is Adam Bear. So like these guys will always be the top dog or the top slot. And uh, as you're coming up, as in you're a, you're this exciting new producer, you're like, cool, yeah, you know, this guy is like bringing me up. Yeah, it's one of your well. heroes. But the problem and... is, is at a certain point you start to develop the success, and it's some of some of them kind of jump the gun and they're like they start really running their mouth to these guys when they shouldn't be, and they get. You know, yeah, they ass kicked out of the group, but at a certain point, you legitimately say, "Well, I I deserve a shot at headlining gig now, or I deserve mm-hmm. oh, sure. a hell of a lot more money than I'm getting," and then everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these people gracefully ended, and everybody's cool. And some things, uh, sometimes things blow up with more drama than you would ever imagine. We have friends that have been through this, uh, and you know, things just kind of. Uh, Basically, they don't flutter out. They just end abruptly yeah. and badly. And, you know, that's part of the music industry. It's not a good part. It's Because, obviously, if you're the guy at the top, you need to hold on to it. That's also your job to be the leader. You can't expect someone or let someone kind of take over because it doesn't work. There's way. only so many But you have to know slots. as a person with your own integrity and as an artist to say, all right, I got to step away and, and do my own yeah. thing. How you manage to do that is up to you, you know? And, uh, like, let's say on a bigger level that I think a lot of people can identify with is Richie used to play for Sven and Ibiza a lot, Mm -hmm. and he still does. But he went and talked to Sven and he said, listen, man, I want to go out on my own. I I really believe that I have what it takes to do my own party, have my own season here in Ibiza. And they're totally cool with each other. Yeah, there's I a, think there, there was quite a few years I think in between, like where where Rich wasn't 
playing for yeah. Cocoon all that often, but before he started to enter. Yeah. And that's a whole other level of politics when you're talking to Biza because now yeah, yeah. he's competing mega clubs with, you know, multi millions and millions of dollars on the line. It gets, yeah. you know, really crazy. But you know, but you're right that like, you know, every time someone new comes in, it's like, okay, my brand needs a night. Totally. And um I mean, so like you said, that is another level. But anyway, I'm just saying, um, at a certain point, how you handle your evolution is everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Because uh, at some point, this cool collective is going to fall apart. It doesn't matter if it's techno, house, rock and roll, hip-hop. Like, I just watched Straight Outta Compton on the plane home the mm-hmm. other day. <laughs> That's another story. But, I mean, that fell apart because, at a, you know, when you have people that are talented or not, like, shit's just going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I totally realize that. The desire, not necessarily to brand, because that feels a little bit corporate to say that, but to include your friends and see where it goes, mm-hmm. doesn't. It pretty much never ends well. But <laughs> I would rather have that experience yeah. than not have it. You sure, know sure. Saying? So, and I think everybody else would agree that's been through it, good or bad. That it's know? it's something to do, and it's it's a good way. I, I guess the you want to make sure as your and and you know. God bless Fen and Richie for, for, you know, always being the best example. It's not like they they grew the entire community. So when it was time for them to split, there was a far bigger audience yeah. that they could split. And that's, I guess maybe that's, that's the trick as you're doing all this, as you're bringing people up, make sure you're not just bringing them up into, you know, the static, you know, existing audience. Mm-hmm. But if you can if you can do all this stuff, the you know I'm going to call it branding just because yeah. it's easy. If you're going to do this collective thing and build it up, make sure you're also building an audience that doesn't already exist, so that as people branch out, there's more you know there there's more there's the, more for, the pie is bigger. Yeah, you know I think maybe that's the make your own you pie know. is kind of what you're saying in exactly. a way exactly. And that's I mean that's tough these days because it's. As much as that should be the default way of thinking, that's almost the maverick way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what? Especially on a bigger level, like on a, I almost envy smaller. Like whenever I play at these bigger parties and stuff, now I see these local guys that are in the second room. They don't give a shit. They don't have to worry about if the break's big enough or like playing big tracks. Mm-hmm. They're just like playing music and smoking cigarettes and having some shots and stuff. And I mean, I'm not, it's not like I'm super preoccupied with that stuff, but as a, let's say an act that has to travel around the globe and deliver and and gets paid well enough where they're expected to Mm -hmm. present that, I have to consider this. Those guys have no expectations. They just are having fun and uh, it's kind of envious, you know what I mean? And, you know, they're, in a way, those are the people that initially start out by making their own pie whereas as you get bigger you everybody kind of cuts into the same pie right if we're gonna keep right. using that metaphor you start getting you know invited I mean? to other people's you don't, pies and if you want to do yeah it's a pie party and <laughs> but punch and pie but and and if you deviate from that you're not going to get invited back necessarily i mean very few people are these like renegade guys who kind of evolve past yeah. that and i i'm sorry to say it but you know, if you're listening, you're probably not the guy that that it's going to be. Maybe, but 
statistically or not. You know what I'm saying? Well, statistically, is, nobody's going to. Yeah, so uh, it's a dangerous thing. But uh, I don't know. Other than that, it's, you know, I guess the whole uh, theme of this episode so far has just been the media, for better or worse, or the, the benefits and, and stuff like that. And uh, I just remembered one thing that I was looking at today, and it's it's kind of funny because we'll end it on a note about like uh, hype. They the pioneer turntable was just re released yeah. yesterday, roughly, or they they announced it, and uh, it's an you know the whole viral thing is is still relevant in this day and age. It's not like that. It's a trend that's gone away. And Did I've you say seen viral or vinyl, viral, viral. Okay, but vinyl, viral. At this point, it's the the same, you know. So, Facebook feed, you have a lot of people in the industry that are reposting, and they're like, "Yeah." Oh, I couldn't believe it. At somewhere around like I want to say twelve twenty p.m. today, mm-hmm. my feed became nothing but that Technique's turntable. Like, yeah. it, was, it was suddenly like, like I, I was, I almost like I looked to see if I had searched techniques, yeah. and that's why it was only showing yeah. me posts about techniques. And then finally, like I landed on like you but, know uh, uh, something about. Donald Trump, but I was actually relieved, <laughs> yeah, because I, I like, like fuck. Now like, I wasn't, really I wasn't strictly in this Twilight Zone world where the mm-hmm. only thing happening on social media is is the new techniques. But okay, so just blanket. What would you say, given the odds? How many of those people who posted about it do you think have actually touched vinyl in the last four years? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not many, right? Well, I, I, you, gar- I can guarantee the people who who do were sure to include that in their. Of course, they got. Their, they haven't know, told I you in the last five vinyl. minutes. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, and I'll, the funny thing is, I haven't even read like what it like. I have. I haven't even clicked on any of these things mm-hmm. to find out what the deal with the new techniques turntable is. Yeah, I don't is. give a shit. You know, um, except that there's a new techniques turntable, and I can safely assume that ninety nine point nine 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 percent people who do use the techniques turntable. We'll do nothing with it that they didn't do with the old techniques turn. Exactly. And they probably um, won't buy it either. But I, they're excited. I guess not. Is it expensive? Well, I know the current ones I think are selling for around a grand a piece, brand new. Um and the I thought they weren't is, making them anymore. They stu- well, so, but I mean the, the, the reason the, they're expensive is because because they're getting rid of the supply. stock. So and, if you're if you're the if you're a distributor who bought who picked up a lot of techniques thinking like <laughs> Yeah, you fuck no. But I mean, you know, Back in the states, I still have the first three techniques turntables I ever bought uh, in ninety. No, I got them in ninety nine, right at mm-hmm. uh, around Christmas time. Uh, and of course, they need a tune up, but they're still working great. Well, yeah, they I work bought forever. this pair here in Berlin. They need some tuning up, but they work forever. Like I, I'm not, you know, I guess if you lend them out to parties or event companies, they'll go to shit quickly. But uh, it's not like I treat my equipment perfectly, but they work fine. Like, what do I care if a new pair comes out? Uh, but there was also all these articles about turntables in general are selling, like, like the the like the number, like, for, never mind techniques, yeah. just turntables in general. Uh, the sales have totally spiked in the past year, along with the sales of vinyl. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily. It's know, a lot of reissues and remasters. Yeah, and, and it's not even necessarily electronic music vinyl. It's but the the other thing I had caught today, and again, I didn't click on it, so I don't know the details. But what I found was interesting was Kodak is coming out with a Super 8 film camera. That I'd be interested in. Like some kind of throwback, Mm -hmm. you know, Super 8 camera. So 
I'm, I'm curious if, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's definitely an analog, mm-hmm. you know, the an analog thing going on. And whether it's, you know, whether it's just this year, this year's fetish or whether we're actually at the cusp of a new analog digital media hybrid society. It could be. I mean, I guess it's a, actually, it's probably the worst analogy I could think of right off the top of my head, especially while it's be being recorded. It's close to pie. It's the George Foreman grill. Remember that was like the rage for like two or three years for Christmas, like different variants of the fucking mm-hmm. George Foreman grill. Then everybody realized, oh, I'm just steaming shit. Basically, this is terrible. Yeah, is and it- then but everybody went back to cooking like a, a person actually should. And true, you true. know what but I mean. If you, I guess if you were if you were microwaving, yeah, and you you then if you were microwaving before you got the Foreman grill. Then the Foreman grill was in 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 a, in a small way like you know a return to to the caveman cooking over a fire. Yeah, but if you if you gave if you let your your grill on your balcony rot, yeah, because you now have the Foreman grill inside, then then you wish you had an old grill in a way. You're, or you're going in the other direction. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It's interesting. I just I was thinking about that a lot today. I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I would love to see some sort of, you know, I I don't collect vinyl anymore. I haven't mm-hmm. for a very long time. Um, you know, I, I officially You're got lucky. rid of all of it when I <laughs> I know I know, but but I'm not because, you know, it, never mind the never mind DJ vinyl because I was never a DJ and so I never really, you know, focused on that. Um, although I had a pretty formidable collection by the end. Yeah. Um, but I was always I was, I was just had that you know like when you would go to like. So like, you know, somebody's house and they have like an awesome rock collection and like you're saying like you're listening to the Stooges on vinyl and and, you know, I'm just like, man, I've actually never heard the Stooges on vinyl before. I I owned the CDs mm-hmm. when I was in college. And now if I want to hear the Stooges, I just go to Spotify and listen to the Stooges. Um, but there is something kind of awesome about analog vinyl stuff. So. You know, I, I would love to see, and digital has been so influential, not just on how people consume music, but I do think it's been influential on the way, on the type of media that gets made. The media is just, I mean, the message is obviously more important, but the media can influence the message. Absolutely. Another it's, really shitty analogy, foofy drinks on the beach are incredible. If you If we were to have it right here in my house, it would be ridiculous, especially just you and me right now. But like when you're sitting by the beach and the sun's out, like, and there's people playing volleyball and shit, you got a pina colada, that's awesome. But so, wait, so is the pina colada the, we're not talking the about analog grills to the Foreman grill? It doesn't the- matter. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, uh, you're, you're, double can, down, you're doubling down on your metaphors here. Well, I don't know. We've been talking for a while and I've had quite a bit of sake. <laughs> but the thing is, is like, yeah, it, the, how it is presented could determine whether it's good mm-hmm. or not. You know what I mean? And, sure. Context. You know. Anyway, I think we're going to wrap it up because we're just going to start rambling. <laughs> but right. uh, let's plug the podcast one more time. Tell me about it. All right. Yeah. yeah. I do uh, the Rave Curious podcast. Um, you can find it on iTunes. It's part of the uh, Vice Media network. podcast network. Um, so yeah, it's called Rave Curious, and check it out. Are you? Uh, are you? Do you have any other uh, affiliation to Thump besides the podcast? I do. Or? I do. I am an editor at large for Thump, okay. um, which basically means um, I, I write a few things a week for them. Mm-hmm. I basically just kind of 
I I'm 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 like you know old techno uncle mm-hmm. over there, and so it's like I just kind of like write what I feel like writing a few mm-hmm. times a week, um, so they can check out whether it's articles or reviews or uh, exactly not, things not, you need to know. Not reviews, but yeah, like okay. you know I'll rant. Yeah, rants, probably, things you may have missed, or if you weren't aware, this is what happened in exactly. the 90s or, or But, you know, you can, or you can just Google Joshua Glazer, and you know, you'll find anything from, you know... I got to tell you, one of the first places I ever wrote for was uh, online was allmusic.com, mm-hmm. which was, you know, one of the first online music Didn't they also outlets. sell records, too? Maybe? No, no, their their whole thing was they... This was, like, around, like, the first dot-com... Mm-hmm bubble there they were their idea was they were going to have they were going to have reviews of everything and it was it was like before discogs which was you yeah. know the first kind of community generated one yep um you know these guys all music doc all music all music guide tried to do it in-house and they would like literally like they would like review every record they possibly could and it was it was amazing. There was a point where I was getting paid twenty bucks a review to review my entire CD collection. Shit, I'll do that right now, dude. It was, it was <laughs> that was a good year. That was a really good I year. Bet. Um, and the amazing thing is, and then they made their money by outsour, you know, by by licensing these reviews to Best Buy mm-hmm. and Amazon and all these places. Back when there was still this, you know, like okay, if you're gonna sell music online, you have to have a review of the album. Yeah. Um, as a result. Their SEO is just still top of the line. So if you Google me, like you'll see some stuff I've recently done, mm-hmm. but you'll, you'll also find a review of the John Aquaviva, Richie Houghton X mix. Oh wow! That I wrote in 1999. Like, what, what, like it, that's funny because like, like literally every like once every couple months, a friend will you know send me a link. They'll be like, look what I stumbled upon, and it's you know so that stuff's out there as well. Do you cringe um, on that writing when you see it, or are you? You know, uh, actually, no. I think it's, in some ways I was actually probably better, <laughs> or I was just I was more I was I was excited maybe. I was doing it all the time. Okay. So as a result, like it's it's it was clicking. You were well. Yeah, old. I was. I was. I was definitely like in the flow. Yeah. Back then, I think if I I haven't actually written a review in so long and it would, it would I feel it would almost be like like it would almost be daunting for me to try to write a review now because yeah, I'm just kind of out of practice in that I hear you um but but I do you know I, I write rants for you know a variety of places thump being the, mm-hmm. the, the most current so rants and podcasts over at thump yeah podcast at thump old uh old CD reviews um on Google mm-hmm. and uh and yeah that's that's Great. Any uh, any noteworthy guests that you want to throw out there that they should the really podcast? check out? Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, well, I Dustin Zahn just gave yeah, a course. riveting riveting review. Yeah. I, I kind of wish you had drank a little more before my recording. We'll just do um, another. We'll do another. Yeah. Okay. I'll cancel dinner. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. You know, I don't know what order they're going to come out in, but you know, Dan Teneglia, Chris Liebing. Uh, Tommy Sunshine ranted about politics for an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one will be coming out. Um, Radio Slave has been out for a while. So you got um, some good stuff Honey up Dijon. there. So yeah, yeah, we're we're up to we're up to episode six. Depending on when people hear this, it'll be you know episode eight or ten. But you know the goal Excellent. is you know it comes out every, it comes out every other week, and you can subscribe on iTunes and never miss one. 
and write the review. He needs five hundred twenty six. And and give a review. I need. I have five hundred and twenty four to go. All right. All right. Well, let's see what happens after this. Have awesome. a good one. Thanks, Dustin. Bye.